Well, I happen to be one of those people that absolutely loves Christmas. I mean, I, I get it. There's all kinds of superficial stuff that goes on with it. It's stressful. We've made it to be a lot of things it's not. But I, I just love the celebration of Christmas. I, like so many of you, I absolutely adore the cold and the snow and the ice. Isn't it awesome? To think some people have to live in Hawaii. Ah, it's just awful. But, but I love how we celebrate it. I, I do. I, I love the decorations. I love the time off. I love being with family, the great food, the music. I, now, I don't like that the music starts in November. Seriously, that's a bit early. Uh, you know, get the devil's holiday over before we still get into Christmas, right? That's Halloween for those of you who don't know any better. And uh, it's, it's a great celebration. Above all, I, I love the story of Christmas. Unfortunately, we don't tell a lot of it. We, we just kind of tell the surface issues of the story. We skip across the surface and we don't dig a little bit deeper. But when you really look into the story of God, as the video said earlier, the one who created those stars, becoming a baby. There's so much to learn. In this story, we can learn a lot about God, His nature, His character. We can learn a lot about our world, and boy, we need to learn a lot about that. And we can learn a lot about ourselves. This weekend, I thought I would take a, a pretty familiar part of the Christmas story, but, but take a, maybe a little bit different look at it. It starts in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and it's about the wise men. And it reads this way. You can follow on the video screens. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's to be born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd for all of my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod because Herod wanted to murder Jesus, they returned to their country by another route. Now, a lot of stories have developed about the Magi over the years. In fact, you know most of those stories. How many of them were there? Thank you very much for your support up here working on your benefit, and to have all three of you helping me out was very encouraging. <laughs> Just so I can fill in the blanks for you, we three kings of Orient are. Now, I've given you the answer. How many were there? Three. Thank you very much. What was their profession, their vocation? We three kings, friends. 
We three kings, they were kings. That's exactly right. And we even, over time, have given them names. And their names, and I'm sure all of you, because you've all gone to Ivy League schools of sorts, uh, you know their names, right? <laughs> yeah, one guy down here. Yep. Uh, he was just recently on Jeopardy, actually. Caspar, um, right? Balthazar, and Melchior. There are names. Very interesting stuff. You can read all kinds of stuff on this. Do you know how much of this stuff is true? None of it. Absolutely zero is substantiated. It's all made up, and people make religions out of it. It's just absolutely cra crazy. I mean, all we really know of the Magi is what the passage I just read tells us in the book of Matthew. We definitely know there was more than one Magi, but we don't know how many more than one. We certainly don't know three. We, we definitely know they came from the east. We don't know exactly where, though people proposition all kinds of places. We don't know where. And, and we know they came to Jerusalem, and they were looking for a baby that had already been born, wasn't still in the manger, but had been born king of the Jews. We know that they were following a special star. And I love how people try and say, oh, boy, that was the time when Saturn was brighter or Mars was brighter. Really? And it went right over the house where he was staying. Yeah, sure it did. It was a special star, a supernatural star, you know, reflecting God's glory over where Jesus was born. But we don't know how they knew that it represented the birth of the king of the Jews. We don't know where they got that information, how they came to it. You can make suppositions and all that, but we don't know for sure, but they did. We know from Matthew that they went to great lengths to find and to worship him. And when the star led them to where the baby Jesus was, they recognized him as the one they were looking for, the king of the Jews. And they actually fell down and worshipped him and gave him gifts worthy of a king. I mean, they gave him gold, gift of a king, frankincense, which was a very costly incense, so pricey, only the super uber wealthy could have it. It was a gift for a king. And then myrrh, a very costly perfume. But what's fascinating to me is that his own people didn't do any of these things. These guys from the east, from far away, outside of the story that God had been writing for his people, outside of the promises that had been inspired in the, in the biblical text up to that point in time, those people who were the keepers of God's promise, the holders of God's promise, and the ones commanded to deliver God's promise to the world, didn't do any of these things, weren't looking for Jesus, weren't looking for the King of Kings, weren't willing to worship him, never recognized him. Crazy. Look at how the Bible says it in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own. He came to his own people, the keepers of his word, but his own didn't receive him. Now, there's tons of lessons from this, and I hope that you in curiosity might pursue some of them, but here's the lesson from this particular story that I want to emphasize this Christmas weekend. God doesn't just use the people we expect him to use. God doesn't just do the expected. He doesn't just use people who have the obvious connections, the obvious positions, the obvious opportunities, the obvious ability. He doesn't just use people who know all the right people and who've made all the right decisions and who are in all the right places. He uses those who are most willing 
and most available wherever they are. It kind of affirms the cliché, the greatest ability is availability, because that's exactly what the Christmas story reveals. You see, God doesn't build his team. God doesn't choose whom he uses. God doesn't build his family in the same way that we do ours in this world. I mean, I I learned, and I'm sure you did as well, on the playground what to expect from this world, how this world works, and what I'm going to get from it, how I'm going to be treated by it. And in my particular playground experience in, in elementary school, it was all about kickball, right? I don't know what it was in yours, but on the playground, when we were going to play kickball, two, the most popular or the most talented people got to be the captains, right? They didn't even have to get picked. They were already known. They were the special ones. They were the superheroes. And then they got to pick their teams. And the way they picked them was by picking the most popular and the most talented. And then when the most popular and the most talented were picked, what did they do? They had enough. And the rest of us were sitting there going, thank you very much for affirming my value on this planet. I mean, this is how we've learned the world's going to treat us. This is how we've learned to expect it. It happens in relationships. It happens in the workplace. It happens in our communities. It happens. This is exactly what we've learned to expect. But this isn't how it works with God. You see, when Jesus busted into our world on that very first Christmas, he didn't do the expected. He did the unexpected. The reason so many of us are missing the story of God in our lives, the reason so few of us are experiencing the impact of God in our lives is because we're looking to Him and expecting from Him in the same way we would look to people in our world and the same things we'd expect from them. And it doesn't work that way. When it comes to God, we need to expect the unexpected This is clearly seen in the Christmas story. The people we would expect to have been the lead characters, uh, playing the lead roles in the story of Jesus' coming, didn't play those roles. I mean, come on. If God's going to come to earth, who's going to be playing the lead roles? The spiritual leaders of the day, the spiritual teachers, the rabbis. Who's going to be playing the lead role? Are you kidding? The power brokers, the people who know the text the best, the scribes, but they all missed it. The people we wouldn't expect to be important in the story of the unfolding of Jesus coming to earth were the main players. I mean, outsiders like the Magi, are you kidding? People from the East, they, they have no business being in the story of Jesus. The, the unimportant, broken people in the world's eyes like Joseph, Mary, shepherds, they became the lead characters in the story of Jesus' life. The Christmas story makes it clear with God. Listen, we need to expect the unexpected. And if we don't, we'll never really experience him. Here's the truth I want you to see. With God, the most unlikely people often do the greatest things. Now, this is important because we are the most unlikely people. We're the ones sitting on the sidelines of the playground going, wish we were them. We're the ones sitting on the sidelines in our in our marketplace setting, saying, wish I were them. We're the ones sitting in our relationship saying, wish we had that kind of family, wish we had had those kind of parents, wish we had those kind of opportunities. We're them. But with God, the most unlikely people often do the greatest things. 
This is an important truth for us to get into our heads and to allow to be weaved into our hearts because we've been messed up by our life experiences. I mean, messed up. Because of what we've experienced in life, we've come to expect and assume the wrong things. We've come to assume and expect that average people like us can't make a difference in this world. I mean, isn't that how we've experienced life so far? Couldn't even make a difference on the playground. We've come to assume and expect that there are special people in the world, and then there are the rest of us. And then we overlay that on God. When we read the story of the Bible, we go, God uses special people, not people like me. But we'd be totally wrong because God used special people, but he saw the special people as being the ones the world saw as not very special. We've come to assume and expect that people tend to love us, and if they do, they don't, well, they don't love us for long, or they don't love us in the right ways, or they don't love us for the right reasons. And so many in this world assume that God could never love them or want them because no one ever has. We've come to assume that we don't have anything special to offer God or others. Good night, if we're not good enough for the kickball team, we're certainly not good enough for what God's got going on. We've come to assume and expect that we only get so many mess-ups in this life, and though we pretend with each other we haven't messed up all that much, all of us know we've messed up a ton. And so we must now be over the quota. We can no longer amount to anything. We're just failures. Because of the way we experience this world, we've come to expect that we only have so much time and we've taken too much of it doing the wrong thing, so now it must be too late, too late for us. We've come to assume that there are better and more qualified people than us because that's what everyone has told us. And Some of us have been told this in our relationships. I, there's someone better for me than you. In our jobs, there's someone better for us than you. You're never really going to amount to anything. You know. We've come to assume, if I could put it just on the bottom shelf, that we're the least likely. Well, listen to me, because the Christmas story teaches us that with God, we need to expect the unexpected. You see, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the magi were, were some of the least likely people on the planet to be part of Jesus' birth. What are they doing there? They're not there by accident. God's painting for us a picture of our lives. Here's what we need to know. With God, these least likely people became the most likely people. They provide a picture of, of who God chooses and God uses. When we read through the Bible, the New Testament this winter, in the living the script thing, we're going to see that God chose fishermen. The world didn't value fishermen of that day, but God chose them. He chose tax collectors, the people considered the worst of the worst. He chose women who were discounted in this particular culture. He, he chose adulteresses, and he chose Samaritans who were considered half-breeds. The world was so bigoted. And the truth is what we'll see is that he chose people like you and me, the least likely, the people on the sidelines not playing kickball because the captains didn't choose us. Those are the people he uses. There's so much application to our lives from this story, but I want to get just one specific one as we celebrate Christmas this week. God considers the servant great, not the one being served. 
Now, if you think about it, the, the most likely to be the center of a story, the most likely to be the headline, the most likely to get the lead role, isn't it the one being served, the one that has the power, the one that has the position, the one that everyone celebrates and writes about and reads People magazine to find out about, you know, the most beautiful people of the world? I'm not sure why I've never been on the cover, but, you know, those people. But not with God. God values the one who serves others, not the one who gets others serving them. Look at how Jesus himself said it in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over other people? And their high officials, those with powerful positions, exercise authority over people? It's about getting people serving them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the difference between the somebodies who totally missed Jesus and those who were considered the broken nobodies who ultimately experienced him. The somebodies missed true greatness because they were too busy serving themselves. And the ones who recognized Jesus and ultimately experienced true greatness were those who were serving others. Here's the question. Who are we most like as we celebrate Christmas this year? Could it be that the reason we're missing Christmas is because we're missing the point? Could it be that we're trying to become the somebodies that get to be the lead characters in the story of the world, and in so doing, we're becoming the bit players who are missing the whole, the whole thing? When what we really need to realize is it's the least likely. It's, it's the people like us who have failed too much, who've messed up too much, who've wasted too much time, who've, who've always seen others as special and ourselves as at best average. It's those people whom Jesus can do great things with. The invitation this Christmas is pretty simple. In the midst of all of our celebrating, we need to make sure that we don't miss Jesus like so many did on that first Christmas. We need to make the choice that the Magi made. I mean, they were nowhere close to the center of the story. They were nowhere close to where things were going. They were nowhere close to being networked. They were nowhere close to being ready, but, but they started looking said, we want to know him. And when they found him, they didn't play games. They recognized him. They fell to their knees. They received him. They worshiped him. And they became great players in the unfolding story of God. The reason so few of us are experiencing the great story of God in our lives is because we're writing the wrong story. We're following the wrong script. We need to stop trying to be somebodies and recognize that God always, already created us as somebodies, people in his image, and we've blown it by walking away from him. But he's made it possible for us to walk back to him because Jesus came and wrote the right story with his life. And then Jesus, as we saw with that cross coming down during hallelujah, Jesus then suffered the penalty for our failures. For the wages of our sin is death. And then Jesus burst forth from that tomb so that he could offer us the gift of Christmas that can be unwrapped by simple faith, the gift of new life. Before we 
leave this Christmas weekend service, I want to pray, and I want to encourage you to pray. For those of you who are already followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you to evaluate your life and see if maybe like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis and the religious leaders in Jesus' day, maybe you've gotten wrapped up in the wrong story, wrapped up in trying to be great by getting the world and God to serve you instead of you serving God in the world. The good news is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to give us a clean slate, right? There aren't too many failures with God. The only failure that's unforgivable is the failure to come to him and let him forgive you. But some of you are here and you've never even recognized him as the savior of your life, the one who can give you new life. You've never recognized him. You've never received him. Look at what the Bible says in John 1:12. But as many as received him, to those who believe on his name, God gives them the power to become his children. You want to experience life in a grand way? Become the child of the king. And the way to do that is stop trying to do it on your own. That's what religion teaches, but just receive him. That's what Jesus teaches, and it'll transform your world. So let's bow in a word of prayer before we end the service. And as we pray, I want to encourage you, if you've never opened your life to Jesus, to take the words in my prayer and make them your heart's cry to God. Just say, God, I believe Jesus came for me. I've lived without you, God. I've done my own thing, and I've fallen short. I've sinned. But Jesus, you died on that cross for me. I'm receiving your forgiveness. You rose again for me. By faith, I'm receiving that new life. Change me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer just before we go, I, I want to encourage you, please let us know. We've put together information to help you take next steps in your relationship with God, not to be obnoxious in your life, but to help you move forward. And in the programs you received in one of our live services, if you're here, is a connection card. You just fill it out. There's a circle on the bottom. Check that off. And there are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. And what we'll do is we'll send you information about next steps. And if you're watching On Demand, Northridge On Demand, just hit the What Next button and we'll do the same for you. So what do we do with this Truth of Christmas? We start playing the lead role in God's story by serving others instead of playing the lead role in our story and missing the whole point. And when we do, we'll truly be celebrating Christmas maybe for the very first time. We're absolutely thrilled that you came this weekend. We want to, once again, thank you for putting up with the traffic and the weather and all of that. And for those of you who were in other venues here on campus, thanks for doing that. But just before you go, I, I have to tell you, uh, one thing that I hate is that, though this is my spiritual family, I can't look at each and every one of you in the eye and wish you a Merry Christmas and tell you how valuable and important you are to me. And I don't know all of your addresses and couldn't afford to send you all a card uh, if, if I did know all of your addresses. And, but yet I want to do what 
family members do. I want to do what people who love each other do. And so Roxanne and I have, along with our family, put together a Christmas card with a kind of a collage of our year's experiences and who we are and who our family includes into a Christmas card that we want to hand you. And as you're leaving the building, not the auditorium, but as you're leaving the building at the exits, we have our guest service team to pass each one of these to you. And we just want you to know it's a small token and a small expression of this one fact. One of the greatest privileges of our lives is to be a part of the spiritual family. We don't take it for granted. We love you, and we hope you have a great, great, great Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.